Welcome to Poets and Writers, WEHC 90.7, coming to you from the beautiful Emory and Henry College campus. And we have a great guest for you today. We have Felicia Mitchell. Many of you know Felicia from her years of teaching here on the beautiful campus of Emory and Henry College. So, Felicia Mitchell, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Henry. I appreciate well, it's being just, here. Just yeah. a joy having you here. And you are a grand poet. Many of you around the valley here have heard Felicia read. And we're going to talk with her today about her latest book, A Mother Speaks, A Daughter Listens, A Journey Together Through Dementia. And I read this. Uh, they sent me a prior copy on the Internet. And I read it, and folks, it is beautifully written. It is very touching. And there is also a strength in it, Felicia. I want you to know that. There is courage in this book. And so we're going to talk about that this morning. Felicia, talk about A Mother Speaks, A Daughter Listens. Why'd you write it? Well, I would say it's my life's work. I've been working on it essentially my whole life, except more recently, since um, my mother began to experience dementia when I started trying to pull together a book that's gone through probably more than 100 drafts as I tried to figure out if it would be nonfiction, fiction, poetry, collage, etc. Um, but it settled down into a book of poems. My goal was to include my mother's voice alongside mine all along. Your goal is to include your mother's voice alongside yours all along. Right. And you say this is a life's work. Yeah, since mm -hmm. I was born to her. So exactly. 66 years ago. My yeah. goodness. And I'm looking at this table of contents here, Mother's Day. And you say, in memory of Audrey McClary Mitchell. Yes. Okay. And then you have, remember, uh, all her, our stories Memories of Charleston, Why Things So Complicated, What It Is, Let Me Miss My Mother at the Nursing Home, Sunday Morning, My Cheating Heart, Wanting to Find the Words, Second Childhood, I Am Still Here, Stranger Than Fiction, Love is Strange, Threads. My goodness, what a beautiful book. And as I say, I had occasion to read those stories and poems so, Felicia, I'm going to turn it back to you because you certainly know um, the book and you know your life. So this is about your specifically as your mother goes into dementia, right? Specifically, but there's a little context. I, I will go, um, you know, in the first section and each of the subtitles is based on a line or phrase from a poem in that section and the first sets the context with my mother's earlier life as a little girl in Charleston is a um, um, is a mother and the second goes into when things start to get more complicated with the dementia and my um, which is in that section is chronicled through my mother's voice, uh, poems created out of letters and conversations over the years. The next section is my reaction um, and some of hers to the early days of dementia. The next is set within the nursing home where we were so blessed to have her live when we brought her up here to live 
near me when she needed 24-hour care. Um, then the next section is um, written by me, but in, in the voice of my mother, that, that section, while she was in hospice. And then the last section is stranger than fiction. It's about processing after her death, processing. Okay, well, let's. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to, again, want you to just go ahead and read some of the poems and, and talk a little bit about them, okay? I'm just going to leave it up to you, and then I'll, you know, you have to watch me. You've been on with me for many years. I can just start talking I know. nonstop. Well, and I am, and I, I'm not going to read the poems chronologically. Okay. I thought yeah. I would just pick some shorter ones to help people get a sense of the book, and I I I decided to read this one, even though it was on on my early list, because a friend emailed me and said he liked this one. So it's called Contact Erased. How long do you hang on until the cows come home or until the 12th of never? After I disconnected my mother's phone, I kept her number and speed dial nestled next to an icon of a house, a symbol I needed to hold on to. But when I changed cell phones, deleting numbers one by one, I I fingered this entry like the memory it was. Erase entry, the phone asked me, as articulate as a phone can be, which is not all that much but much more articulate than my mother was with her Alzheimer's speak. I told it yes and cell phone speak. Contact, erase, the phone announced. Not really, I said aloud, talking back, the way I would talk back to my mother when she was in another room. It's not as easy as all that. Talk a little bit about that poem. Well, you know, this one, so so the poems are straight out of experience, pretty much, although, right, that you know, we... was cha- right after your mother had, or after your mother had passed away. No, n- this was, um, this one is, she hadn't passed away in this okay. one. This was, well, cause, because I had to deal with her phone before she moved into the nursing. Okay, I mean, so this is transition <clears throat> from community to nursing home life. Well, yes and no. It's more, it's in the section about uh, where I share poems about how I processed the dementia after she was gone, even though the incident it writes about happened before she was gone. All right. So you know how poetry just kind of shapeshifts all over. uh, Well, let's have another one. Okay. So let me give you a sense of who she was, um, mm-hmm. and I was hoping that would really ring through ring through the book. And so the one I was going to read about You just that. read Contact Erased. Yeah, yes. so I think I want to read How Mama Mailed a Letter. Okay. And this poem was inspired um, somehow by a Facebook thread, um, another poet I know started and I I just had to go and sit down and write the poem. I love post offices. Everybody knows that. And I think I, and I love to mail letters, got that from my mother. And this is How Mama Mailed a Letter. How Mama Mailed a Letter. To mail a letter, 
Mama licked the stamp that would carry it far from where she lived, alone, daddy gone, and opened the front door to stand there a minute before she walked through, her outfit perfect. Down the road, left, and up two blocks, Mama walked, not to a mailbox, but to a bus stop where she would wait, her mail in the purse strapped across her body. She wore her watch on her left wrist in Timex precision, exactly what she needed. And then she rode downtown to the corner of Maine and Senate to walk a block to Chick-fil-A, where she ate one small piece of pie. This she ate in a corner, watching people come and go. After this, she walked three blocks up and two blocks down to mail her letters and bills at the Maine post office before walking over to Laurel and Maine, three blocks from where her mother lived when she worked at the YMCA, to wait for another bus to get home. Mama did this for years. All the years she had walked on Main Street, intersecting in her memory like a constellation of maps, even as dementia started to ride with her downtown. This is how she mailed a letter until her children told her it was time to stop taking buses, and she listened. And that's Mama. That's Mama. So Mama never drove. She was what we would call I guess, legally blind. Mm-hmm. But um, although she knew how to drive, a friend taught her to drive in case she needed to an emergency. And once she did have to take Daddy somewhere um, to the emergency room when we were very small children when he was very sick. But she technically, um, she didn't drive. She took buses. And um, we lived in a city that had buses, Columbia, South Carolina. So Felicia Mitchell on Poets and Writers. This is Henry McCarthy, WEHC 90.7. Felicia Mitchell, you grew up with the family, of course, in South Carolina, right? Yes, uh-huh. And you have brothers and sisters? My brothers. And I grew up in part in North Carolina. There was a mid the middle years, age maybe 5 to 10, I lived in North Carolina on the coast, and we went back to South Carolina. Had three wonderful brothers. You have three wonderful. Three. One, one is deceased, mm-hmm. and I talk about him a little bit in the book and some of the poems. Um, my other brothers are, are alive and well, and I respect their privacy. So, so your mother writing. loved post offices, and she loved to write you letters. She in did. Fact, and, and the reason partly she did, this was... Fortunately, before email and so on, so you had to sit down, and and she wrote in cursive, of course. She did, Mm -hmm. yeah. And it was interesting when I was reading through the letters I saved, I noticed she loved to use the ampersand. She used it. She she didn't. It was just so cute, and she loved to use dashes. So she had this Emily Dickinson thing going with her dashes. So she loved to use dashes, and I I love to use those (laughs) colon those little dot dot dots. And what are ampersand? Say that word again. Ampersand, you know the symbol for a and a and d. Oh yes. Yeah. Oh, she loves like that. with Emery and Henry. The ampersand is <laughs> connecting those two wonderful names. Okay, yeah. so this was in. You would be growing up in. Uh, your growing up years were from. Uh, talk a little bit about that. Your early years, and then uh, just going to ask you. Then, then your mother was how old when she died? 
Too. She was uh, almost 90. Almost 90. So you'd lived through the 50s with her and the 60s. And the 60s, and the 70s, yeah, and the 70s, 80s, 90s. 90s, and right on up. She lived a long, long time. And she passed away when? She passed away in 2011. 2011. Yeah. Okay. So talk, talk a little bit about your dad. Well, so Daddy and Mama were quite a pair. They... um. Before I talk about him, I need to read one of the letters in the book, 1999, and you'll get a sense of who they were together. This was written to a dear friend um, to thank her for um, a gift. And so, 1999, Dear Gail, you're a flower, a beautiful pink azalea. It was a beautiful day in Beaufort National Cemetery, cool and blue skies. We had a bagpipe playing before and afterwards. He played Amazing Grace. John was one of 12 children, so lots of family. Mine, so many dead. John, so ill, so long. He had a lot wrong with him. We had 45 years after marrying, 11 days after we met. There is love at first sight. Sincerely, Audrey E. Mitchell. 11 days after they met. Now, talk a little bit about that. Oh, this was the romance of our century. My my mother was in her 30s, and Daddy was. You know, they weren't 15, but they they met at a party Um at a mutual friends and they they pretty much were together after that one day uh and they got engaged before they the 11 days were up dad um, and i'm wearing it today daddy somehow found her this tiny little diamond which is so precious so you're wearing your mother's i'm wearing yeah i'll wear it ring engagement ring her little engagement ring from sumter a little store in sumter and it sparkles and And what year would that have been 1954 1954 yeah so daddy was working it was yeah daddy was working at the sumter daily item then you know, early in his newspaper career, doing all kinds of things, and I think one of their early dates was going out to visit a pig farm. So, but they they it. were always so always in love. Was he in newspaper work then? Yeah, is that what he did? Let, most in his, of his career, he, most of his career, he did other things. You know, in his twenties, but that's what he did, and that's how we ended up. Here and there. Well, did he work in? Um, what did he work in? What area of the newspaper? He was. He was. Uh, Began as doing everything. He was a writer. Oh, my goodness. Um, you know how in a small paper you do a little bit of everything. And then as he became upwardly mobile, you know, he did copy editing. He was mm. an exceptionally gifted copy editor. And then, you know, as as life went on, he, he would do other things. I think at one point he was business editor at a paper. But he... Um, but he was really gifted. Um, you know, the thing about editing is people think you're looking for grammar and all that it, and style. That's true. But you're always also looking for fact-checking. And he was oh, the right. best fact-checker news- around mm. because he had a brain that never let go of anything. And so I learned a lot from him about fact-checking and accuracy wow. and all of that. that. And what newspaper did he start with? Do you remember? The Sumter Daily Item in Sumter. Then he was at the Wilmington, I think, Star, and then the State Newspaper in Columbia. 
Wow, so Wilmington Star in Wilmington, North Carolina. Right, yeah, when it was in the Murkison building. See, I've known you for for many years, and I did not know that about your newspaper background. And the reason I say that, so many writers, of course, Mark Twain, I go back to him and his work in the newspaper, Lee Smith and many others, as you know, have had experience, my gosh, you know, with this, and then uh, Dope Sick and Beth Macy, who's you yeah. know we up in Roanoke and been on the show, and now my gosh, it's on Netflix. She had a newspaper background, so I didn't know you had a newspaper. Well, background. with Daddy, and then in, in, for yeah. my part, you know, early in my twenties, I wrote the occasional newspaper column, but my main newspaper experience was as as a typesetter. Oh my goodness! Uh, back Mark before Twain. computers, I was I was a very good typist, very good typesetter. Well, see, you all scared me to death, you know. And <laughs> I, I taught English, but I always just taught the literary and the storytelling side. Yeah. And uh, my thought always was that you know writing was just talking on paper. That's why I don't have many publications. Oh <laughs> uh, well, you know what? You I'm, could you could talk now these okay. days. You can talk to the computer, exactly. and it will write your words down for you. <laughs> I know that. I just got a text not long ago from my grandson who was six, and I thought it was from his dad. Oh wow! And, and actually, I thought his dad was checking with me on my treatment of his younger son, and it was Shep texting me asking me about why his brother was crying it was hilarious and it, it came because he just did it through voice voice to text it's, it it's something it. else yeah it's amazing okay we're talking about your book a beautiful book today and i want to keep you i want to you know this idea of dementia would you say alzheimer's this her type? well you know they called hers dementia of the alzheimer's type i think unless you do a uh you know, autopsy, you don't know 100%, but that was what they called hers. Yeah. Okay, and so I know in your book, and uh, it's very touching, and it's, it's as someone said, as one of the reviewers said, it's it's not a pity, so to speak. It's it's not pitying, but it's, it's definitely um, giving the uh, depth uh, of that uh, of dementia, so let let's go there a little bit with with your poems. oh with one of those poems. Yeah, I, okay, yeah. I'll I'll read. And I know one. our audience. Many of us. I've been dealing. I have a brother who's eighty six. He's in a nursing home. We just buried brother Billy uh, this week. It, and my goodness gracious, what a character he was! Uh, I have to say, it was. It was a funeral that was more of a celebration, certainly. And I had one lady come up and say it was the nicest and best funeral she'd ever been to. I and bet I, it was I, and, it was and, wonderful. And I almost I'm thought she was going to say, could you have one more often? <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, well, I have some people in mind. But yeah, anyway. Well, so <laughs> I will read, um, I'll read a poem um, about experiencing my mother's dementia. It's called Missing. Missing. My mother is missing a breast. At Sunday dinner, no concentrated sugar allowed. She pulls the fabric of her blouse and lets it fall against her deflated chest. And then she points to the other one, the one not even I, her daughter, suckled. The one poised there like a teardrop. I tell her they had to cut it off that missing breast, and smile and point to her plate. Here, I say, you'll want to eat your turkey. 
But she won't eat this white meat pulled clean from the bone, soft and tender, only yellow pudding sweetened artificially and one slice of a bright orange yam. She wants to be like everybody else, my mother. She wants it all, two breasts, a real dessert, a daughter whose white hair does not surprise her. She wants to find the words to tell me she won't sit all. She wants to know who they are. In the top drawer of a dresser she does not use, my mother's prosthesis has a life of its own. Neither jellyfish nor boob nor recyclable, it lies in wait. One day my mother will find her breast and she will want to play catch with it or dress it up like a baby doll or eat it with a spoon. Here, I'll say, you'll want to drink your milk. Okay, okay. Felicia Mitchell. A poem about her mother. My goodness. Also, I'm looking through these, and I remember this one from having read it before, and I was very touched by it because, as I said, I... We're dealing with this age and our age, which nursing homes are a part of life. I don't like to admit that. Uh, and I always say to myself that I'm never going there, but we'll see about that. My goal is to die on the creeper trail riding my bike. <laughs> yeah. And I know that you're a great Felicia Mitchell, folks around the valley here, and all of you know her, know her from Emory and Henry as well as many other uh, activities in the community. She's also a fine photographer. And I really love getting your photographs on Facebook. I love taking them. I know, and they're excellent. Yeah. That one on the eagles? Oh, yeah. Talk just briefly that about was The eagles? I was out with a birding trip with the Bristol Bird Club one day, and wow. the eagles were... I just was lucky. You know, I don't have a fancy camera, but I, I got some good pictures that day. Of well, the eagles. Well, how many eagles are around the valley now? You know, we, I ride the creeper yeah. trail all the time, and, and there's some out there. And, and yeah. I saw one. And someone told me, if you ever see one, you will know it. You will not confuse it right. with any other bird. Right. You and, know an eagle. Yeah. Exactly. It's and, majestic. Uh, that was yeah. at Trestle 6, you know, 5 yeah. and 6 around I've heard there. about that eagle. We have some land yeah. around there. We're yeah. preserving around Trestle's 5 and, and 6. And right before that, there's a screech owl I sometimes Absolutely. visit. You know that sweet and screech I, I owl? I it. It's been pointed out to Yeah. Me. Okay. Felicia Mitchell, I'm looking at... The other night at Grace Healthcare in Rehabilitation. Okay. Now, don't let me get in your way of. No, no, I'm glad. Read. Yeah, that was one that I had marked that I should read because it's. Do you um, mind reading it now? No, I don't mind that, at all. That is, it's folks, it's sort of is a good um, counterpoint to the other one I just read. Beautiful. The other night at Grace Healthcare in Rehabilitation. The other night. I lay next to my mother and let my hair fall against her face. She giggled when it tickled her nose and reached both hands out as if to hug me, but she grabbed my hair instead, gathering one pigtail in each fist and laughed some more as if she remembered exactly what it means to mother. My goodness, my goodness. I admire that poem so much because, as you know, getting access to the nursing home and dealing with the personnel and so on, I don't know if you've had any issues there, but um, I know that uh, the closeness, 
and the desire of individuals in the nursing home is to make connect like your mother needs connection she need, she was yeah. a people person i yes. i am an introvert pretty much she although i do like people a whole lot uh, but she was an extrovert and when i looked for a place I, I picked a, a nursing home, which at the time did not segregate people with dementia. So she interacted with all kinds of folks, and she felt it was like one big house, and everybody was her friend or relative. It was a very positive um, thing for her. So so she got the interact. How long was she in the, the nursing was, home? Uh, almost six years, yeah. Almost six she years. Lived, she thrived. I think it, uh, she. we were looking at nursing homes in South Carolina. Would you say that again? She thrived. She thrived. She wow. thrived. And I think, you know, um, if we had left her in a place where she didn't have the attention she got there, plus I was able to be an integral part of her, her life there, it was became my home away from home. Um, so, so you would go from here down in... It was, it's just in Abingdon, you know. Oh, so it was here Oh, in no, we picked okay. a place I could get yeah. to daily, yeah. the reason if, I'm if at all possible. I'm belaboring this point because yeah. I know that families, this is one of, certainly it's been one of the major discussions in our family. Well, the social worker in South Carolina said um, they do better near family, and, um, and I had... The ability to be there more often to be with her six years and she thrived uh, for many and then began to eventually then, you wind down uh-huh. um and and there her winding down I, how long uh, how long was that winding down process well it should have been about a week but it was more like four months it, in the section um wanting to find the words i'm not going to read necessarily from there but that's about that winding down she and I were both, um, her winding down, you know, with dementia, you you do wind down. It's not just the mind, Absolutely. it's the body. And she also was diagnosed with her second bout of brain, uh, breast cancer. So. Um, it's the September before she began to wind, wind down. Uh, she began to wind down um, February, around my birthday, birthday in February 2011. But, okay. you know, she was still... Go ahead. She was still, you know, uh, present. Even when she never left her bed for months, she was still present during hospice and loving to me. And I was in cancer treatment at that time, and I think she gave me as much as I might have given her, if not more. She beautiful, gave me beautiful. a lot. Can I ask you to read yeah, one more poem? Sure. Because then I want to get you, a mother speaks, a daughter listens. And uh, where can Available they... from Wising Up Press. You can ask your favorite independent bookstore to, to buy it, and they can order it. You can buy it, or, um, contact the press, Wising Up Press, just Google that, or um, from all the other usual, usual places. Locally, it will be available in the Merck um, okay. next to Emory & Henry. Okay. At this point, maybe other places well, folks, later. Folks, I'm telling you, this is really a great book to... And, and as we click, may I read parts of this regrets? May I oh, read Oh, sure. It? You may read it, the whole poem. <laughs> it is yeah, on I page was... 62. Yeah. And you say, after Frank Sinatra and Edith Piaf. Yes. Uh, regrets. I had a few, too few to mention. And then again, I might as well mention a few regrets. I had a few. If I could live my life over, I would have been a farmer. True, that is just the one regret. Sometimes one regret 
can feel a lot like a few or even nothing. Maybe I should pronounce that for me, Felicia. Rien de rien. Rien de rien. Maybe I should say rien de rien. I did it all my way. I regret nothing. But I had a few. Oh, that's beautiful. That's one I wrote in her voice, you know, on her deathbed. Beautiful, beautiful. Felicia Mitchell, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you so much for for helping me share this book, Henry. This is Henry McCarthy saying, I'm going out to write a poem. Do not be afraid to stay or steal away. I'm going out to write a poem and watch the children play. Thanks for listening.